What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Inking Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, Rob Santos, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And a quick reminder before we begin this episode that if you do enjoy our content and you feel like you want to check out our extra stuff, like our monthly short fiction from Drew or myself, or you want access to our catalog of episodes on sort uh, sort friction, <laughs> short fiction, pardon me, or even the chance to add a book to our list on future episodes, check out our Patreon on Inking Out Loud, or if one-time donations are more your style, we do have a page on Coffee. that's K-O-F-I. Now, for episode 165, Drew and I continue with our journey through David Farland's Rune Lord series, starting now with the first half of Worldbinder, Drew, can you kindly recap these 25 chapters for us? I can indeed. Worldbinder is an insane new entry in the series. Insane, that's a good word Balian for it. Gaborn's <laughs> firstborn son and the reincarnation of the legendary Torchbearer has been having dreams. The seal of the Inferno needs fixing, and he has been drawn back across the ocean to Mystaria, hoping to journey into the Underworld. On his way there, Falion and his companions, including his brother Jazz, Rihanna, and Talon, find themselves outside Castle Quorum once again. They save Waggett's daughter Farion before killing the evil Lord Hale and freeing the citizens inside. But oppressed people are not the only thing inside the castle. Falion finds nothing else than the Seal of the Inferno at the base of a magic tree and is compelled to use his magic to fix it. As he does, however, the seal changes, and his work serves to combine their world with another shadow world. And everything changes. On this other world, the evil Wormlings are ascendant, having driven humanity to the brink of extinction. Under the leadership of Lady Despair, the Emperor Zul Tarak, and the three Knights Eternal, the Wormlings are a race of giants who have opened themselves en masse to the Loci, or Worms as they're known on this other world. The Knights Eternal are sent immediately to capture Falion, which they do, but at great cost. Normally immortal, one of their number is killed by Falion and Jazz. Their leader, Vulgnash, drains Falion and his friends and heads north to the Wormling Fortress at Rugasa. Meanwhile, the remaining humans, under the command of High King Earthstone and the wizard Sissel, hurry to save them. The peasant boy Alan, recently elevated to the warrior cast for betraying Dalen Hammer, is present in their army. And, speaking of Dalen Hammer, the mythical speaking son of Dalen Hammer, Hammer, he is freed by Earthstone after his betrayal and encouraged to trade their captive daughter, the daughter of Zul Tarak, for Earthstone's own son, who, according to the wizard Sissel, may be the Shadow World's incarnation of Gaborn, the Earth King. So... <laughs> <laughs> chapter 18 was where my eyes were popping out of my head that was a that was a particular uh mindfuck of a chapter for lack of a better term there it's just like oh but this, Ooh, okay this, i gotta i gotta remember what what happened in chapter 18 that was the one where where we have uh sisal being revealed as binus man and king orden ah. being revealed as Earthstone. And all these epigraphs that we've been that we really haven't talked too much about yet in book five or book six, they really start to pay off in this chapter. The dramatic irony is just through the roof as piece after piece after piece falls together in this chapter, and I'm just losing my mind while I'm welding, which is a lot of fun. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he he rolls up with Sean the Baker, and Sean the Baker <laughs> is actually like a lord with thirteen endowments or something yes. like that. And we hear and about he's like uh, smashing through 
brick tables and stuff. Yep, the, rev- <laughs> the revelation of Corpus Kite, which is the blood metal, and how there's not exactly a shortage of it on this Shadow World, uh, world, not world exactly. as well. Oof, there's a lot of and, potential for for cool and going Volk on here. Nash, you know, finds Volk the Nash. Forcibles and realizes that he could create endowments of stuff like greed and stubbornness and okay. like. Answer something about those. Uh, this we're getting right into one of my miscellaneous points here, I guess. But since we're we're on the subject, naturally, with Volgnash and those forcibles he found, he says the, he found almost a hundred. It's almost a hundred. Said I think it is. Weren't there like nearly three hundred when we put there this were, together? They were split up. Uh, in so Sons if, of the Oak. If you recall, at the end of chapter twenty-five, uh, when they like when High King Earthstone's army defeats the Wormlings at mm-hmm. Cantular. They find another pack that has a bunch of forcibles in it, so they split up. Okay, uh, all right. I was, I had figured yeah, there's like a, a, this, this okay, this pack of or this 200, this these 200 forcibles that have just been removed and are somewhere in the world or have already been used and are just going to be revealed. Uh, I had I'd forgotten. Okay, cool, that does make things a little, uh, a little better here, but, but oh, yeah, just even like, starting off this book here, like just. <laughs> We start with Askarath's curse upon Falion as the first words into this book. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm being honest, I had forgotten about that. So I'm going, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I have a feeling that it's just, it's just going to get darker at this point. So, yeah, like, I, I don't think it's as graphic at, at any point as, you know, the very beginning of Sons of the Oak. You know, oh, definitely the, the, not. Yeah, the rape and and the impalings and Rihanna's C-section and things like that. But the tone of this series is just so much darker than the first four books. Like, there isn't the same sense of like heroic fantasy where where you have you know your upright, morally good people defeating the evil you know the evil conquering emperor Rajaten. Here, like, Falion is our main character, and one of the first things he does in this book is, like, burn a dude alive, but leave his eyes so that his soldiers can see the fear in his eyes as he's crisping. Like, Falion is not Gaborn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, it kind of su- the world kind of sucks as we just jump right into this book. It, 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 was, yes. it was a weird feeling, because as we ended the last book, I remember feeling elated. I remember... That leaving on such a high note was Shadowath's retreat, and she's not ready to face the Torchbearer yet. But we jump back in, and there are evil, murderous, disgusting bastards ruling, like Warlord Hale. Everywhere. I think Hale. So yeah, yeah, there's, yeah Lord Hale. Yeah, he's like Waggett is back to being simple Waggett again, and it's just like yeah, it Waggett. was neat to get this giant world-altering shift so early in the book. There's so much potential for cool there, but yeah. I don't know. Kind of, things kind of suck at the moment, don't they? They they do. I mean, we we get pretty early on um, a shift away from Falion to Alan, right? Um, which is this is a, another kind of dramatic structural departure um, in in Sons of the Oak, right? We we had the structural departure from the the very quick time frame of the first four books to now Sons of the Oak takes like years, um, but it's mostly you know centered on one group of people it's it's pretty much all Falion or rihanna point of view we get a couple of iome points of view before she dies and then we get a couple of like borns and amirama tossed in but it's really like Falion and rihanna's story and here suddenly we're like we get a point of view in i don't know what chapter three 
or chapter it's early four, on yeah uh of some dude on another world like number two chapter two was it that early on a far world yeah oh boy <laughs> like it, it, it's it's super jarring uh i think it's a bold uh authorial choice uh like i i get that Wolverton Farland wanted to do something really different with the series, <laughs> but like, holy yeah. cow, like what there's, there's doing something different and there's doing something different. <laughs> well, we haven't even talked about how he's just merged two worlds. I mean, we have, right. we've obviously spoken on it, but like we haven't really discussed like the implications and how a, a writer is going to have to handle merging two, <laughs> two entire worlds into one. Like you're right. Bold was the choice for it because dabbling in causality and stuff like he has been so far farland has and in, in in not being born you know affecting so many people he's dabbling mm-hmm. in people's parents and grandparents not being bored like if we're not or even counting like for how people marrying the wrong people yeah and, you know there's just so much potential for for paradox and he just there is a lot he has to do a lot of hand waving to, to kind of push it aside i would prefer and i think there might actually be, I'll make this, I suppose, a prediction. There's some sort of center reality or this one true world that they speak of in the future yeah, towards which all roads yeah. eventually lead back to or something. That would be a lot of it. Like that'd be a convenient way to deal with this kind of paradox. Yeah. I, I would assume so, that's the case with the netherworld. Like the, the yeah. netherworld is the the shadow netherworld. of the one true world. And then all the rest of them are like shadows of that shadow. Ah, okay. fragments. That's right. That's right. Um, that's right. Thanks for keeping me on the track. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, oh, it's just, it's just such a monumental shift in expectation for the series, right? Like you think, you know, what's happening. You think, you know, the world, you think you understand the rune lords and then, a couple chapters in, he's just like, nope. <laughs> you yeah. have no idea where this is going. Yeah. And <laughs> suddenly and speaking... you got like death magic and people with wings and like even mm-hmm. normal humans are like seven <laughs> foot tall monsters. Yeah, like, like warriors that are just with, with like bony plates in their face and, and like vestigial horns and stuff. And like, yeah. <laughs> I miss the vestigial horns. Wow. Yeah. Th- when, when they find Talon after the merge, he describes her as having like little nubs just over her eyes. Oh, oh, like, no, I remember I, where I, I was think it's described as like uh, right. similar to a deer that's about to grow antlers for the first that's time. Right. Yeah. Okay, it just came back to me. Yeah, and, and speaking of like admiring the balls of a writer who chooses to do this kind of thing, Dalen Hammer, finally. Yeah. Dalen Hammer, I, 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 I like just. We meet. We get this name so early on in the series, and then to wait six freaking books to reveal him, more or less, as just kind of like this regular guy, or at least regular sort of meaning guy. You know, he kind of wants to act like it. Like it's just, it's a he's. But there's clearly so much going on behind the scenes with him. Like he talks about. I mean, he's significantly clearly more order that he's part of. That like he can't even lie for for a good purpose. He's like that goes against the tenets of my order. And, and he's apparently, like, traveled across thousands of these worlds somehow. And, like, you know, there's... He's part of something. Uh, yeah. Mm. And, and and then, you know, we, we hear about him in the first four books as the sum of all men, right? Like, he had so many endowments that even when his dedicates died, he didn't lose the endowments. But then here, he says he has four endowments of Braun. 
that doesn't seem to track with what we knew about him. That's right, but that's like, when he was climbing out of the uh, the oubliette. Yeah, like when when we think about the sum of all men, we think about Raja Tem, right? Who had like mm-hmm. tens and tens of thousands of endowments, and he's like, even that isn't enough to like get me to the point where uh, I become the sum of all men. Of course, there's there's probably a misunderstanding there, and it it was the fact that like. Um, the, as Gaborn figures it, it, it was the fact that Dalen Hammer's dedicates loved him so much that even when they died, their attributes persisted. Um, but even here, in Dalen Hammer's point of view, we don't get any like information about that. He's he's just worried about like dealing with the wormlings and, and getting yeah. Prince Earthstone There's back. A lot that like, he's not thinking about, and it's intriguing but it's frustrating too because there, there's so much yeah. that you'd want to ask a man like dalen hammer and that you want others to know enough to ask a man like dalen hammer yeah <laughs> and, just... and this is another one of my style points like uh, again just for how ballsy wolverton was in the writing of this book dalen hammer's the kind of character that you don't expect to get a point of view from or or if you do it's going to be like at the end of the series mm, he's a yeah. kind of hoid character right like he's got these inscrutable goals and he's bouncing around across all these worlds and he knows all this deep lore. Yeah. But he chooses to give us points of view from him. And then he has him just focused on immediately pressing concerns and not the deep lore, not the, like the crazy stuff. Like it's, it's a really, it's a power move for an author. He's like, I will give you this point of view. I know you want this. I will give you this point of view, but you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. Like, mm. Yeah. And I'm so intrigued by the Knights Eternal at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, these guys. Well, not all guys, but I, I really like that we get um, kind of a fresh set of antagonists. Uh, obviously Asgaroth is killed and Shadowath is driven off at the end of Sons of the Oak. And Shadowath is still around. You know, we, we get a, a scene In with her wings. at the beginning of this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I still, like, am not totally certain, like, what... Like, I, I still haven't jived it in my head whether Shadowath is the queen of the Loki or not. Because Lady Despair obviously is inhabited by the queen of the loci Mm -hmm. and she says like i want to infest falion um like but so we have that kind of bridge right the the loci are still the or the worms now are are still the like ultimate enemy but now we have new villains to deal with we have this emperor zulterak we have the knights eternal we have uh warlord madok you know, uh, because us. so many of the the colorful villains in the early books, like Raja Ten or or Kelinor Anders or King Anders or like Asgaroth, they're all gone now, and and we needed to kind of replenish the ranks of people to dislike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I don't have any more style points myself. Do you? Because I'm ready to go into characters. Yeah, I have a, just a couple more. Go for um, it. The, the quickest one of which, so I am reading, again, my like first edition hardcover. Uh, I don't have the ebook of this, so I'm Mind not sure. Question. But th- this one is like 
there are typos all over oh, this. Oh, really? Aww. Yeah, like, really bad. I was actually, um, I had meant to ask, well, how do you spell Alan's name since I'm listening to the audiobook? A-L-U-N. Okay, that's how I written it. That's, I, I wrote it down correctly for the first time. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, And and so, I, I don't want to, like, always just point out typos in books because that's, like, whatever. But for the Rune Lords, this is something that I have noticed a series-long issue. Um, if, if you remember back to our early episodes, I was pointing out how there are, like, typos on the maps that end up getting fixed. And he ended up having to, like, retcon countries in Indopal <laughs> yeah. because of a typo that on a map old in the first book. Where, where there's, like, um, the, the infamous assassins... Right, uh, they're they're called Muyatin assassins, but then the country on the map is Mutaya, and then in the next book, the country is renamed Muyatin, but then he had already written in people who are Mutayan as well as Muyatin, and then in the third book in the map, he had two <laughs> countries in Indopal, one called Mutes and one called Muyatin, and it's like. You know, a simple typo on a map ended up like a three book long retcon. <laughs> yeah. And, okay. and like, it, I think you may have remembered this as well. Um, on the, on the back of uh, maybe Brotherhood of the Wolf in the, you know, the back cover copy, they have it Raj Atan instead of Raj Aten. Vaguely. Yeah. You know, like things like that. There have just been consistent glaring typos throughout these books and that's just fascinating to me <laughs> like <laughs> like how how do these things slip through so consistently you know especially these were best selling like these were big deal books when they were coming out like Wolverton was a New York Times best selling author like he was making money on these for for tour books money and, and it just seems like th- there was not the same attention to detail, especially for how short the books are. Like, I can understand, oh, there, there are 10 or 15 typos in The Way of Kings. Yeah, it's a 400,000 word book. If there are 10 or 15 typos in this, this is like 120,000, you know? Like, that's a, that's a, a bigger issue, a symptom of a bigger issue going on. Yeah, um, it's not like autocorrect didn't exist at, at the point where this was written. I mean, this was mid two thousands at least, right? I think uh, this this came out in uh, September September two thousand seven. I want to say. Let me double check that. Yeah, September two thousand seven. Yeah, sweet. I nailed it. Kind of. Yeah, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> oh well, it's forgivable. It's still a great book. It's still a great book so far, and I think it's going to get yeah. even better. Um, um, and so my last style point style. Yeah. Uh, this one feels much more like the first four books in terms of point of view. We do not get the insane head hopping omniscient narrator that we did in sons of the oak where oh, like, now that you mentioned it, you're right. I didn't, even you know, going that, from like paragraph to paragraph, suddenly we're in a different person's head in the scene. Uh, or even sometimes like sentence to sentence inside a paragraph. Here it's it's more self-contained chapter by chapter, and there are a couple of like small asides where it shifts, but uh, but yeah, and and I appreciate that. I'm yeah. obviously much more a fan of the limited 
third person narrator than the the dune esque head hopping. So yeah, actually, I haven't noticed that at all until you mentioned it. But I think the fact that I haven't noticed it at all goes to speak for how much easier it is on as a result to just settle into and kind of lose myself in the flow of what's happening. Yeah, yeah, for huh. sure. Interesting. So, uh, let's so talk about some characters. Yes, yeah. yes. Falion is. I don't really have anything about Falion to say. I, I don't. I don't know what to yeah. think about him. He, it feels good to know that that our you know our new and bigger threats here apparently are still aware of him as the torchbearer. But seeing how easily he's taken by Volg Nash, I was like, dang, <laughs> that seems like a moment of his moment of utter transcendence at the end of the last book is not going to be a trump card for everything going forward. So, mm-hmm. like on one hand great to see on the other hand dang you know there's like, just he did he did manage he, to take out one of the knights eternal he was doing some some cool stuff but, but that light on the horizon from the other point of view that was awesome i forget yeah. from whose point of view that was but it was uh, really cool uh, alan i think was it was from alan. alan's point of view or, or maybe warlord maddock i don't remember something it was cool it was cool yeah but other than like what like what he's been I don't, i'm not really there's him like this whole tricky ground that he's getting into with Rihanna. Yeah. I called it last book. I think like this book, she's this girl, she's making herself kind of stupid for this guy. And as a young guy, he's facing the attentions of a slightly older girl who's supposedly attractive in her own right. This just, this, I I see disaster here. It kind of sucks for both of them. If that's the case. Um, Yeah. So it's really interesting how she is like, they're the same age, but she has this endowment of metabolism. metabolism, She's like physically quite a bit older. Older was the wrong word. Just like, bigger i suppose um, however i feel like in a lot of ways she's much less mature than he is because she had this mental block yeah uh, about you know the as a result of the trauma in her life and at the end of sons of the oak she had this childishness this innocence to her whereas Falion has this like transcendent mythical or mystical breakthrough uh where now he's like having dreams about the deep lore and, and this ages long war against the queen of the loci. And like, and so he feels older than her somehow, certainly in the, in the one scene when they're running and she comes over and like kisses him again, she seems like she's being a lot more immature than he is in that scene. Yeah. They do represent a kind of duality, don't they? And how like she, she represents like this robbed childhood, this, this, this youth that was stolen from her where, where Falion has all these things, all these expectations piled upon him in this role as torchbearer. And he has to grow up and he has to mature faster than he otherwise would be. Despite mm-hmm. the fact that with metabolism, it's kind of inverted. So it is kind of cool to see how they, it, it will be kind of cool. I think to see how they kind of strengthen one another going forward and how they complement one another. Yeah. But it's going so to lead to somewhere heartbreaking for you. Go ahead. Uh, regarding that scene. Yes. Did you get the impression that they did anything more than kiss? Yeah. Yeah. I had to think about it and I had to re-listen to it, but I ended up thinking, I think Farland's just letting us decide. And I, I guess for me, it would just, it just sounds like, yeah, he did. They did. Yeah. It's really. Uh, just up in the air. It's you interesting know. to leave it that up in the air, though. Like, let me see if I can find the quote. Yeah, so... He rolled his hips, dislodging her, and threw her down into the pine needles. Then he leaned over her and returned her kiss gently. 
He looked into her eyes for a long moment until she asked in hope and wonder, what is this? It's a token of my gratitude. And then the chapter ends. Like, I'm so torn because right before that, he says, you know, I don't love you like that. You're, you know, you're like a sister, uh, but you and I are too much like brother and sister is what he says. Mm. I forgot about that. Yeah. And, and there's the, he returned her kiss gently. That, that feels to me as if like, he's, he's kind of just mollifying her, you know? And just like he kissed her softly once right. and, and said, you know, this is me telling you, yes, I do love you, but this can't be what you want it mm. to be. But then there's some of the wording he uses. He threw her down into the pine needles. That is very sexual language. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd also figured that I was, I was waiting for more context in the future. Like once I finish the second half or I even get into the next book and just to see how their relationship would evolve or how like just how casual they would be about it. And especially in front of others, I would just I figured my question would just be answered through context in the future. But right. I really but, but we haven't really gotten yet. anything. Yeah, because all, all of the Fally and Rihanna stuff since then has been running and then fighting the Knights Eternal and then yeah. being like drained nearly to death by Vulgmash. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I don't remember. I yeah. was just waiting, I suppose, for the story to continue or, or you confirm or deny it just through context. Yeah. Yeah. So th- th- that scene just really stuck out to me, uh, this time around. And I, I was curious to get your impression. So you think they did have sex? I think they did just because of how sexually charged it was when he threw her down into the pine needles. Yeah. I was like, okay. come on. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, let's, let's talk about Alan. Alan. Do yes. you like Alan? Not really, and I'm going to explain why. Yeah. I've got some Im- immediately foreboding vibes from Alun. Um, I don't think him innately evil, necessarily. I just think that, I, I mean, I am kind of getting deja vu with this character. He reminds me a lot of another character that I read of in, uh, that I read in Terry Goodkind's sort of truth series, unfortunately. That would be book seven for those who have read it. That'd be overall. Oh, that's past where I read, yeah. Yeah, I just, this downtrodden, daydreaming, ambitious, underclass kind of hero who ends up cast into glory like kind of too soon or maybe just too quickly and he's going to bite off a lot more than he can chew i think like his yeah his betrayal of dalen hammer had me groaning i'm like oh no it's starting so early he's succumbing to expectation but then we get particular note of how horrified he is you know dalen hammer doesn't blame him and he sees the horrified look on his face dalen hammer seems like a decent guy i have hope for alan but not much not much to be entirely honest I, I'm with you. Uh, so this is definitely a trope uh, that you get this this undercast character who is being manipulated because he's stupid. He's being manipulated by the more um, the more powerful, the more intelligent, and generally evil characters. Mm-hmm. Promised rewards in return for betraying the good guys. This is a, a fairly common character trope. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I, it's not my favorite trope um, to put it lightly because I have, I feel like I'm always supposed to root for this guy, for this kid. And it's almost always a kid. Uh, you know, there's the, the naive character. And I, I can't root for them uh, because they're frustrating. They're stupid. 
and they're playing into uh you know the the bad guy's hands due to a lack of critical thinking um i feel bad for alan because he's being so dumb mm-hmm. like the the scene when he asks um uh what is her name sedissa oh, the yeah, yeah. daughter the dance yeah yeah um that scene was real rough where he's just super drunk Siata is her name. Siata. Yeah, the the emir of Dalharistan. By the way, who do you think he is? <laughs> like his uh, anachronism in like our uh, reality. Yeah, yeah. His his. Uh, do you think he has one? Oh uh, God, he must. I mean, imagine a lot of these characters do. Oh boy, that's a good question. I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet. Okay. I have one. I I um, I was thinking Volgnash could be. Oh wait, no. Wait, hold on a second. No, no, no. We'll get into that later. Hold on. Sorry. Go ahead. continue with. I, I realize I'd cut you off there. Continue. No, no worries. Um, but yeah. So like, I just, uh, I, I pity Alan, but I don't like Alan. I don't, I don't have a ton of fun reading his chapters. Like when I get to an Alan chapter, I'm like, can I just get back to like Fallian or Dalen Hammer? You know, Dalen Hammer is uh, so dark or, to or read Rihanna. right now. Oof. Yeah. Um. I mean, he's out now, but. Oh, I, it's like, but this is fun for me because there are things I remember from when I read this book back in 2007 and then again in 2000, whatever, 2008 or 2009 when the Wormling Horde came out. Um, but, but not a ton. I don't remember a ton of the details. And, and so like, I'm, I'm kind of going from, from like checkpoint to checkpoint, filling in the, the blanks. And it's like going into this book, I did not remember that Alan was a character. Really? I remembered that Dalen Hammer was. I remembered High King Erstone. I remembered Vulgnash. I remembered uh, Prince Erstone. I did not remember that uh, the princess, the Wormling princess, was a character. Oh, yeah. The one that Dalen Hammer is trying so hard to convince to escape. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, like, so there, there was a lot missing. Cool. And and I'm having a lot of fun putting the puzzle pieces back together. And and as I do, I'm like, oh yeah, and, and some things start coming back to me. And that's really where where I'm having the most fun in Alan's chapters. It's it's not necessarily like having fun with Alan as a character. It's having fun getting that information back. Mm. Yeah. So uh <laughs> other characters. Other character? Oh, Talon? Sure. Let me be entirely honest. I'm not really, like, as excited about Talon's character as I thought I would be preliminarily as soon as she did transform. She's not unlikable. It's just that somewhere in the journeys and the 10,000 questions about the Shadow World, I started to get a little bored. I get the impression that Farlin kind of just needed a convenient character to be a walking info dump about this new world. He's someone who's along to constantly explain the details and the minutiae of the shadow world and how it differs. I, I, I hope there's more to her character than just having to constantly explain everything that's happening. She's like a walking professor Oak at this point. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> what's going on? Um, yeah, he definitely has a, a good amount of that going and he really did need to just to make the story he, work. Like yeah, he needed the wizard Sissel for that side of things so that (laughs) the you know the the care luciare people um have information 
And then he needed Talon so that Falion and Jazz and Rihanna could have information mm-hmm. and, and make have agency, rather, that they can make informed decisions. Uh, but yeah, a, a Talon as sure. a character, though, is pretty bland to me. She's like, a what, not a who at this point. And it's like, yeah, oh, I want to yeah. see more about Talon herself because she sounds really interesting. You know, Borenson's like eldest, obviously, right. like, like badass like, daughter. The, the most badass of the children of yeah, Sir Morrison and Mirama. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, but of course, she's not like really the focus here. It's, it's much more about Falion and Rihanna. Mm. Um, let's talk about the wizard Sissel. <laughs> the wizard Sissel? You mean Binisman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that's How just. How pumped were you when, when he was like, yeah, so I'm the wizard Binisman? Yeah. Yeah, well, for me, I think it was at the point where he was like, I think I was an Earth wizard in this other world. And I went, <gasps> no, it was this whole moment of like the slow motion eyes opening with a THX on that little monkey creature that you see in that on that gif all the time. I can't remember. Mm. Is it? Oh, mm-hmm. Damn, I cannot remember that creature. But still, it's just a lot of fun. I was that was a serious moment of chills. I had goosebumps. I had exactly the reaction. I feel like Farland was aiming for. I think he nailed it. There's was just. That whole chapter, I think that was 18. It was just, it was, yeah. oh, Mwah. chef's kiss there. That was a great one. This is the kind of fantasy I was hoping to get more of jumping back into the Rune Lords, and it's not letting me down. Oh, yeah. Like, just the the way he yeah. expands the lore. Earthstone is Orden. Like, are you kidding me? Oh. Yeah, and Gaborn, <laughs> the, 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 yes, his son would potentially be- the Earth King is has been a captive okay. of the okay. queen of the Loki for like so, 10 years. <laughs> check this out. Raj Otten. Okay. Where is he in here? Or, and even better, Scathane. The Locus? The Locus. I'm going to say Volgnash. Or is that too big of a power jump? I don't know. I don't know if it even makes sense, but that's just my preliminary guess. Volgnash. They do have Loki, the Knight's Eternal, right? Knights Eternal is a brand new term for us. I mean, we just got it in this yeah. book, right? Are these three? There's only three? Yeah, there's three. Hmm. Well, there's two now. <laughs> so what kind of magnet? <laughs> Speaking of, that was Jax that, that that sniped the one out of the sky, right? Well, why Jazz, could his arrows yeah. why could his arrows kill again? Because they were blessed by Mirama? Uh, the way I read it is that it was a combination of things. One, Falion's like anti-locus light oh, yeah. weakened its defenses. And nice. then Jazz has a bow and Jazz. arrows Sorry, not blessed Jax. by Mirama. Jazz. I gotta remember that, yes. Hmm, I like that. Yeah, so, so cool. it was like a tag team kill. <laughs> that's still like Mirama protecting them from the you know, from afar. That's cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um I think and, I'm done and I like how the magic is but... is like the same but different where Oh <clears throat> the magic. That's they still have like rune based magic and stuff, but it isn't elemental in the same way like we have more of the, it's like life and death magic and, and oh, we yeah. got a you know that one epigraph talking about how life magic is about like taking energy from one living thing and giving it to another in 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 like a symbiotic way to help them both grow and then death magic isn't really like its own thing it's just stealing life energy from one thing and killing yeah, it's it. a perversion of it yeah yeah yeah, in uh, this also as far as the magic systems go, like this endowment system that the wormlings use. Uh, yeah, one, harvesting. The harvesters apparently shove 
spikes into their prey and steal powers and then impale themselves or others with it. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it's a little familiar sounding, isn't it? I love <laughs> it. Bit, I love it. Bit. Just a tiny bit. It's good stuff, though. Hey, it's also in September of 07, right? There were also other books being published around this time that were there interesting. There were. There hmm. were. <laughs> <laughs> I had to bring it up. I had to bring it up. It's yep. a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I'm already going. More miscellaneous. Any other characters that you want to throw in the air talk about um no no i don't think so i learned another new rihanna word. more of rihanna for next episode yeah I, I hope we'll get a lot more for rihanna next episode cool good to know and jazz yeah in jazz yeah um so the, this word that i learned i learned a new word and that is oubliette and i managed to decipher that word on two levels first through context you know in the dalen hammer chapters but uh, the second layer was through this faint layer of basic canadian french that lingers from my time in high school i know oublier is french to uh forget to forget yep. which makes sense it seems more like an unmentionable vibe i'm getting it's from the root this of the word oblivion yeah just like it's, it's rough there's that whole that whole dalen hammer those couple of chapters got pretty dark man <laughs> so uh it's a good thing you learned this word here because you're going to be seeing it a whole lot when we get into Shadow of the Torturer. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's that's very, very soon. I see this on the, uh, on the schedule yeah, going we're, forward. We're getting we're getting close. It's actually kind of going to be some panic because I have, to, I have to figure out what exactly we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah. So, miscellaneous points with World Binder. Hmm. Nothing. Uh, uh, see here, I've already gone through this endowment system that Wormlings use. I learned a new word. Uh, Allen and Company. Oh, I, I already asked about the forcibles. Yeah, where did the other couple hundred go? They got separated here. Um, that pretty much wraps up there my miscellaneous points, but I'm sure I'll get more as you uh, as we go forward if you have any of yours to throw in. Uh, what do you think about the wings? Wings. That, like, they... So they killed... Yeah, and they said uh, these, these belong to... Yeah. Whoever yeah, slayed, like, uh, slayed her, like the what? the body decomposed, but it left the, wings there. Yeah, and apparently and that, those belong to Jazz now by tradition. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on there? I don't know. I don't like where that's going. If you're asking that, that sounds terrifying. Uh, have you looked at the cover art for the book? No, no. I, I it's, it's on my phone, but I, I just spend my time you listening. Should, you to should it. look up the cover. I'm art. gonna look at it right now. That's what I'm yeah. gonna do. World yeah. Binder. Uh, Farland. I almost typed Wolverton. Well, it still would have led me the same way. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Okay. I see two figures with wings, and I see one on the ground, and it appears to be dead. This doesn't look like it's going anywhere good. <laughs> so. Is that Rihanna? Who is that? I, I believe that is Rihanna. Uh-oh. Um. Yeah. And Vulgnash. Obviously, the giant dude in the, the red the cloak. huge one with the giant wings who looks like yeah. he's comfortable wearing them yeah it looks like it yeah uh i remember seeing that cover for the first time and just being like is this even the same series like yeah what happened here <laughs> like i i was so baffled when i i saw like new rune lords book coming out and i went to barnes and noble the day it, it was released and i go and i grab it off the shelf and i'm like is there a mistake here? Like this doesn't look at all the same. This I know there's been some typos, but this would be like whole new level of yeah. typo. 
It's like they, they swung the over wrong, uh, the wrong passage to Daryl K. Sweet to do the cover art and <laughs> accidentally gave him like, you know, a, an excerpt from some other author's book. Yeah. But That's yeah, hilarious. But, but fairly quickly into the book, I was like, okay, no, uh, this is definitely. This is happening. This, this is still the Rune Lords. This is a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like. I just can't get over the like, like this. This would be the equivalent of uh, like midway through Alloy of Law. Everybody from Elidel like world hops to Roshar. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be crazy. Yeah, I want to read a fanfic now about that. It, like it, it, it's just bonkers. This book is bonkers, mm. but in a great way. I, I'm super entertained by it. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, we've pretty much covered everything I have to say about the first half of this book, although I'm I'm aware that we're only like 40 minutes into this episode. Are we getting just that efficient at this, or do you have more to uh, to talk about? No, I, I think I'm about ready uh, for the final draft. Yeah, same same thing with me because I'm really not drinking anything. I'm just drinking good old water once again. I'm doing another sober month, everybody. So I really have no final draft entry at the moment. Okay. Uh, well, I just texted Lauren to get her out here. Well, yeah, have that was pretty abrupt. I was just like, "Hey, we're at the end of the episode already. We're just getting really fast at this, dude." <laughs> yeah, and it's also worth pointing out that uh, this is a 335 page you know, hardcover. Like this is a short book. It's definitely not. Um, there's not a ton of content. It's yeah. I even, actually, even with like a stormlight archive book that we break into four or five parts, four or five episodes, we're covering more, more content in each of those than we would in like this whole book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening at one time speed and I started at 6 a.m. on Friday, and by like 4:30 at the end of the day, I was already halfway through the book. And I'm like, wow! And you know, I had to pause it for for minutes to hours at a time. So it was just like I could not believe that I was like I was finishing work. I'm like, how much is left? Oh my god, I'm on chapter 24. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, like my whole next day, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go and start reading more Sanderson, I guess, because I had another you know 11 hour day the next day. So yeah, nice. I could have gone through and finished the rest of the book, but I wanted to remain a sterile field for this discussion, right? And not mm-hmm. to ruin, not to not to ruin my reactions going forward. I still wanted to get those predictions in. Rihanna and is going somewhere dark just because she's gonna. She's just this poor girl's been so deprived of a normal context of the world through which to see things. She's gonna make some stupid decisions or some drastic decisions to prove herself or to prove her love to Fallian, and it's, it's gonna hurt her or him in the long run. Hmm. Valiant's, it's gonna he's gonna feel guilty about it i think he's gonna have a reason to i don't know hate himself for a little bit but get over it uh i, I don't like where with these wings are going with jazz that's terrifying so I'm, going I'm curious i have a memory of jazz of, of a plot point with jazz that i think happens in this book but i'm not 100 percent certain and i may be like I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited to finish this book to what see happened if my memory is right. Look what happened with him in like in the last book with Shadowath and how he was the one who was turned by Shadowath. He ended up slightly falling under her corruption for a little while or her spell. 
until you know they were saved but what kind of lingering trauma does that does that lead to like he's already a kind of a wild card jazz is and i i hope he doesn't lead that way because you know i love my mm-hmm. little brother I, I can't imagine having like being head to head with him like it looks like this is going and it's, just, I don't know. it's terrifying right back to the final draft though yes um, the final draft so obviously i'm i'm still not uh i'm not drinking anything uh crazy myself i'm just drinking some tonic water right here uh oh dang i i threw away the the bottle i think this one is it's called like a buzzy betty or something like that was the brand <laughs> um i've just really? been trying a bunch of different tonic waters uh so yeah. i mean it's the same kind of way just that drink. i drink alcohol right like I'm, I'm not really out here trying to just get hammered it's it's yeah. more that like i want to try a bunch of different things i want to Try a bunch of different flavors. Yeah. Um, so, and and I'm learning that there are surprisingly a lot of different uh, kinds of tonic water out there. <laughs> That's just carbonated water with flavor in it, right? Uh, yeah, quinine is is uh-huh. added. But, but yeah, uh, with me not drinking beer, of course, that means we have Lauren back, the beer yes. expert. What's up? <laughs> How's it going? I, how is it going? Tell us what you're drinking, Lauren. Okay, so today we're doing an India Pale Ale. IPAs, nice. Yeah, and uh, this one actually has won a lot of awards. So I'm Sweet. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, it's six point two percent ABV, and that's definitely mm. a little higher than a lot of IPAs that you see today. Um, yeah, the advent of <laughs> session IPAs. Yes, where you can get like down, down pretty low. Three. Yeah, my last was I like I saw one. Four point four, I think, was on my last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely sessionable. But um, this style of beer, as a lot of people like to say, um, was named after uh, its route to India from the UK. And yes. It was made for the Indian market, um, but also there's a lot more to the story. It's kind of like pretending that uh, the children's book version of history is what history is. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's more a style that evolved. Um, it's not the only thing, the only beer that was being imported into India, but it was the most popular. And it also wasn't called an India Pale Ale until it already been going to India for at least half a century. So there's, yeah, there's a lot more to the story. And it <laughs> cool. definitely wasn't as pale as it is today because they didn't even have the techniques to make pale malt at that time. Not consistently, at mm. least. Like you could... Ooh sometimes get it right but it really wasn't until a couple more techniques were discovered that we managed to get something this light so so it was a lot darker than what what you're picturing like this guy is like a golden kind of brown but we don't have the best lighting right now so yeah golden yeah super good head retention I can definitely smell the hops. It's it's really, really good. It's got a oh, yeah. nice balance to it. 
Hmm. Yeah. So this this IPA is from Breakside Brewing in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it doesn't say which hops. It just says five fresh Northwest uh, hops. I can tell you what they are. But you want to know? Sure. Uh, I would. I would guess probably like Cascade. Is correct. In there. Um, hmm. I'm guessing not Citra Mosaic. Mosaic is in there. Mosaic is in there. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what else? Amarillo, Simcoe. Amarillo, Simcoe. Okay, that and makes Summit. Sense. Summit. All right. Amarillo and Simcoe definitely make sense. Like those are, like Cascade is like the hop that I always think of when I think of West Coast style. But but um, Cascade and Simcoe as well are pretty common, I know. Yeah, Simcoe I can definitely identify now, specifically. Just, like, it's pininess. Mm-hmm. Definitely evident in this one. Yeah. I'm over here learning that there's different kinds of hops. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so <Wow>. many. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Um, but the best part of this, this beer... I'm going to write down the name so I can check it out. Go ahead. Is the, uh, is the name and the can art. Uh, this beer is called Wanderlust, and it has a dog. On the no can. way. Are you kidding? <laughs> yep. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I just looked at it. Wanderlust IPA. Flavor profile, dank, tropical orange. Oh, yeah, it's a dog on it. It's a big old dog. Or is that a wolf? Hmm. I mean. It's the one I'm looking at? Whatever you I mean, want to call it. Dog K9. K9. Uh, That's so awesome. So, of course, that goes out to uh, Wanderlust, that, what, Alan's, yeah. Alan's favorite dog. <laughs> yes. The one that he that he was uh, supposedly chasing, I, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, when he was actually, when he was uh, actually stalking Damon Hammer. Hammer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so um, hoping that she would become like, like, a, like a Fred the Dog situation from Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> I also just watched Smokey and the Bandit for the first time recently. I am super stoked oh. about that movie. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I think that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. This is 165. Been, yeah, episode 165. We're well over three years now of of uh, content, which is oh, crazy. Yeah. But uh, next up, we'll be finishing off Worldbinder, uh, doing the second half of the book. Should be some fun discussion on that one as well. Especially as Rob said, at book, the... Yeah. Yeah, as Rob said at the top of the show, if you want to support the podcast, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash eekingoutloud or on coffee, ko-fi.com slash eekingoutloud. I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey, and with me is my co-host, Rob Santos. Right here. And our beer expert, Warren McCaffrey. Thanks for having me again. Yep. Thanks for coming on again. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.